0: Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, Long Beach Christian Fellowship. Uh, it's so great to be here with you today. Um, my name is Alvia and I'm a part of a a team of uh, teachers here at LBCF, and um, I always get so excited to be able to teach and share the word, and um, here I am again with another opportunity to share a little bit more. And um, to be honest, I come to you guys, kind of wrestling with the subject of joy today, and, and it's not typically where my heart is at um, when I'm teaching, and I'm still wrestling in this, in, in this moment, and I'm singing these songs, and I don't know if this ever happens to you when you're worshiping in church, but we're singing these songs of joy, your love endures for, forever, we just singing this song about giants falling and God being victorious, and I'm singing like, yeah, I get the truths, but I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it in my heart. And um, if we could bring up the scripture reading um, from Acts in verse 25, you know, I, I picked this scripture reading because this is the story that brings me in that same, I, I have the same sort of reflection. You know, I read this story in Acts, and, you know, I read about, like, I relate with Paul. I don't relate personally with Paul and Silas, like, being beaten and stripped with, you know, stripped and beaten with wooden rods. But what I do think is I'd be super bummed. <laughs> you know, I'd be super bummed if I was in a... You know, and I was, I was in a prison, and, you know, I feel like I didn't do anything wrong. And yet you get to verse 25, and this is what just throws me for a loop every time I read this. And it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of God. And I'm thinking, like, how does that work, you know? How do you – is there, like, some sort of supernatural ability to just be happy? Are they happy? Um, and is this joy that they're experiencing? Now, I want to invite you to start to wrestle with joy now – Um, and, and just, I want to ask, how do you experience joy? And, um, before I jump in further, I want to say that we're, this is all a part of a a series called the Psalms of Ascent. And it's this group of songs that are found in the book of Psalms, um, that were sung by Jews as they would like go on their, their pilgrimage, uh, voyages to Jerusalem to engage in these festivals that celebrate Really all that the Living God has done in their lives or in in the lives of their ancestors, their family members um, from years before, um, and so they would just journey and sing these songs and in a way I think it's they sang these songs in a, um, in a way to get their mind right for worship and um, if you haven't listened to, uh, there's been, I mean, every week, week after week in this series, I've been just met, um, in my heart, like the spirits administered in my heart. And so, um, guys, we have a podcast. Uh, so if you go to just your podcast app on your phone and search Long Beach Christian Fellowship, they'll pop right up. And I encourage you to listen. Last week, um, a, a few weeks ago, I shared a story, um, about my life and experiencing homelessness uh, as a teenager. And, um... You know, the reality of that story is I'm no longer homeless, and it, it's like, you know, and, and I shared some of that story, and it, there's great joy that I, I, I think of or I experience when I think of that story. But the other half of the reality is that I still live my life afraid that the ground is going to give out. <laughs> I'm, I'm already crying. Maybe it's a new thing. Um, you know, like, I, I, and I, I go to therapy, and I just, you know, we, we um, my therapist, we've identified, yeah, like, you're still living life thinking that the ground is going to give out in, in every situation, you know, um, and, and I'll just say I value my, my just knowing this community because I get so encouraged each week, and those encourage, encouragements go so deep for me because I think the ground's going to give out, you know, for an example, I think, like, I'm, teaching, and I'm going to not know what to say, or I'm not going to have a place in this community because the ground's going to give out. So anything good um, is not eternal. Now, um, this week, as I've chewed on this, uh, the subject of joy, I found myself in a week heavy with these thoughts of the ground's going to give out, and I called my buddy Rob, who taught last week, and uh, he gave this awesome sermon on how concrete uh, the presence and the security of God is that we take refuge in. And I, I was so encouraged by his word. I called him, talked to him, said, "To be honest, man, I don't feel like talking about joy." And 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 I, I said, "I said, man, this is where. Let me just share where I'm at, you know." And he heard my my. I thought he was going to console me. He heard my where you know my my troubles were, and and he said, "Well, how do you feel joy now? <laughs> like, well, how are you experiencing joy in this season?" Uh, my wife and I recently had uh, we we have our daughter. She was making some beautiful sounds with her, her voice earlier, um, she's very vocal, and her name's Etta, she's 10, she just turned 10 months this week, and um, you know, just, she's brought so much joy to our lives, and I just, um, but I often recall waiting uh, during the pregnancy, the nine months, and there wasn't a single day that we didn't have our, our fingers crossed that things might not work out for us. And and I remember the joy when she was born, just like whoa, she's making noise, she's she's real, she's alive. And and I remember just this load being taken off my shoulder of this like anxiety that I carried for months, and my wife carried. And for my my wife, that anxiety or that fear extends, you know, deep in her family history. Um, her middle name is Grace. Um, Ali's middle name is Grace because eight years prior to her birth, um, her family um, had a stillborn. Her parents and. Um, and it was just for eight years they had longed for a child. Um, they, they adopted, and there's a miracle in that, that story of adoption. And then, miraculously, um, eight years later, Allie was born, and they're like, yeah, her name's got to be Grace because she's like Grace for us. Um, but the question for me is, well, <laughs> and I was talking with my mother-in-law last night, well, how did you experience joy in those eight years as a Christian? And I look up to my, my um, you know, her name is Sharia. I look up to her faith because she's been faithful as a Christian all these years. And so my question to you today um, is how do you experience joy? And I invite you to wrestle with joy um, today with us together. Um, if you can pinpoint how you may be caught in tension or in waiting or longing. And then ask the question, well, how do you experience joy um, where you, you're at? And I think this is largely the the human experience. So we are in Psalm 126. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn to Psalm 126. And we're just going to dive right in. You guys feel joyful? Again, I'm wrestling. (laughs) I'm still wrestling as I'm talking here, guys. Um, And I'll tell you why in in a little bit here. So... Psalm 126 has two halves, and, and I might add uh, just a little bit of context. So I love to just, just talk about the scripture that we're reading uh, when I teach. And uh, one thing about um, says poetry in the Bible is, you know, there is great purpose for all poetry that's been written in the Bible, and the writers and the authors that we find, the Psalms that we read, really were meant to, to communicate these significant truths from generation to generation. So they're written so that the traditions would be created where we pass these values and these virtues about God and and this living God that we we follow through generation to generation. The second thing about biblical poetry um, that I must say is that uh, as we know poetry to rhyme word for word, uh, biblical poetry rhymes often thought for thought. And um, furthermore, it is used... I think it's meant to be used so that we can rhyme our thoughts with God's thoughts. Um, I, I, and that thought makes me think about, that idea makes me think about the song, Hosanna, that Hillsong released years ago. It's a classic. Maybe considered a hymn now. Um, and, and there's a verse um, in that song that's, "I that's, break my heart for what breaks yours. And when I think of that phrase, Every single time I sang that song in church, it was like mega songs. Every church sang it, it just rocked my heart and it ignited something in me. And I think that's what these Psalms of Ascent are. You know, it's like we recite these songs so that maybe the vision, the view, the worldview, the lens that God views us becomes our views. And the thoughts that He has for us becomes our thoughts. And so today, As we read, let's rhyme our thoughts with God's thoughts. So verse 1 here, 126. Two halves starts. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us. We are filled with joy. Now I relate with this. Because I've experienced God do some mighty things in my life. In and around me and my communities that I've, I've, I've lived in. But the, the reality of this, this scripture is there's two halves. And so there's a pause. And, and the pause is rough. In verse 4, it says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And and the reality of this this song is that there's the the pause, you know? And the pause speaks so loudly to me. When I was reading this, every time I read this, it just is like, man, why is there the pause? And I think the pause is significant because it's reality, the people singing this song, they were reflecting on past joys, maybe that they never experienced, but maybe their great-great-grandparents experienced. And then with that, though, this pause kind of tells us and reminds us that they're also in this place singing this song, not experiencing physical um. These physical joys or these deliver, the delivering of fortunes. Two things I want to point out about this psalm. First, this, this, this topic of fortune, like, you know, verse one, where the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, is not about money necessarily or treasure. But I think for, for them, it was really this, this, their story, God's story with, with his people of being led out of exile. You know, just, they've spent year they spent years in slavery, just in, 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 in captivity, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then one day it happened, you know, and they're reflecting back to this, this, this treasure, this fortune. And then, and then, but then verse 4, it says, well, restore our fortune, Lord. And there's like this request. Now, um, a few weeks ago... I gave this sermon, right, on on sermon on, or the Samaritan woman at the, at the well, and, and we talked about this living water. And if we can put the picture of the living water up on, on the um, screen. Or not the living water, sorry. That's not the living water. That's the desert. But man, this is significant, right? So verse, verse 4, after the pause, he goes in and he says, Well, restore our fortunes, Lord. I remember the fortune. I remember what you've done. But now I say restore the fortunes, like the streams in the Negev, and this is a photo of a wilderness area called the Negev that, was, that a lot of people knew. And I've camped in places like this, maybe out in like uh, um, Indio area, Joshua Tree, and, and I've often camped just sitting on rocks, marveling at the fact that, man, it's crazy how these canyons have gotten here, these slot canyons, you know? And when we look at this picture, Certainly, we see zero water. <laughs> There's no water. But we see that there was water. There was once water, right? And each one of these, these pathways where we see some green, there was water that did flow. And I think this is the, air, the space that this, the psalmist and these, the Jews that sang this song are singing from. So here's where I wrestle. How do we experience joy in all times, and how do we describe it? that joy my issue is that I love to sell I love selling and so I'll talk about Jesus and I want to talk about Jesus the type of gospel I want to talk about the gospel that we all want to hear like man if you believe in this gospel give your life to Jesus everything is gonna be awesome you know even preaching that sermon on Samaritan the woman at the well I read this this passage here and I'm looking at this photo and I'm going wait a minute Jesus what about the living waters that will never stop flowing What about the way that you'll meet my thirst? And you promised this, Jesus. I don't understand it. I don't understand what you mean by joy. And and in, in Nehemiah, there's that verse that we have all heard, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't grieve because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And as a person that's living in a place like this desert, where I know that there was once water flowing, but I'm not seeing the water now flow, I say the same thing. God, help me to understand how your joy is my strength. I love selling, and I want to sell the gospel that's that easy, where I want to, I want to say, listen, man, if you believe in this, this, this Jesus, man, the streams are going to be flowing, and you're never going to thirst again. And there's sort of like this, this passage brings up this, this hiccup, right? And, and for me, for me, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I told you that I, my life uh, is rooted in this idea that the ground is going to give out. Like I'm always, I ha- have this fear and this anxiety. And um, so I, I learned to veg in a lot of different ways. I, uh, this week, I was like level nine uh, just in that place. And so that's, I pulled out all the tricks. So I came home one day. I went to the fridge. I pulled out a nice bubbly uh, strong drink, right? And then I, and it doesn't stop there. I I have like the split side by side fridge. And so I open one for the drink, open the other side for the frozen dinner meal. That's going to be ready, nice, tasty, and salty in three minutes, right? The frozen meal. And my journey of getting that joy doesn't stop there. So I, just dealing with this idea that things are not as they should be, I go to the TV, I turn it on, and I go straight to the Netflix app. TV is different now than when I was growing up. I used to have to wait for the the TV show to come on at 9 o'clock. Now it's like, well, how do I want to veg? Do I want to listen to comedy? Do I want to laugh? Do I want to cry? Do I want to reflect on how I'm in love? You know, whatever it is, man, I can have it now and instantly. Eugene Peterson describes our experience of joy this way. He says, we come to God for joy because none of us have it within us within ourselves, except momentarily, to be joyous. In other words, we can't do it on our own. Joy is a product of abundance. It is the overflow of vitality. It is life working together harmoniously. It is exuberance. Inadequate sinners as we are, none of us can manage that for very long. And guys, if you just look at the patterns of the world, that's exactly how we've structured our world just tons of systems and netflix and apps that help us to navigate our lack of this experience of a constant joy he continues we try to get it through entertainment we pay someone to make jokes tell stories perform dramatic actions sing songs we buy the vitality of another's imagination to divert and enliven our poor lives The enormous entertainment industry in America is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. Society is bored, is a bored, gluttonous king employing a court jester to divert it after an an overindulgent meal. And he says, "But, but that kind of joy never penetrates our lives. It never changes our basic constitution. The effects are extremely temporary. A few minutes, a few hours, a few days at most. Bottom line, guys, all humans, we all play this game, desiring joy and waiting. And I think that we are called as a church to live in a different way, right? To access this type of joy that isn't temporary. But that means that that joy has to exist even when we're not laughing, even when we're crying. I connected with Pastor Ryan this earlier this week and he, he said, you know, a lot of times uh, when I... When I Meets like an extremely mature Christian. Um, one thing I really admire about them is they have this ability to experience joy even in hardship. And, and I'm not saying that this is a marker. When I read uh, that passage in Acts, I'm not, I, you know, I often will read that and go, well, I guess I'm not a great Christian, right? Like something's wrong with my faith because I'm not able to be imprisoned and beat up and still sing a song the next second. Um, but I don't think that joy is necessarily um, a requirement for Christian faith. It's simply a result of Christian practice. And um, and so we're going to land the plane here, and I want us to practice, um, I want to introduce a spiritual practice that I'm going to um, practice, hopefully to um, encourage my walk. Now, um, there's a... A professor at Yale um, theological seminary that I stumbled upon and he, he teaches on Africana studies and theology and he has this awesome uh, uh, teaching called the gathering joy and I encourage you to YouTube it and he, said, he says this joy work is always body work in other words it's always leg work It's a resistance of death and despair. Joy work is the art of making pain productive. And I'm going to go back to it's a resistance of death and despair. You see, the kind of joy that exists even when we're not laughing, I think is not a joy that's based on whether something in our environment has caused us to laugh. But I think the kind of joy that exists when we're not laughing is because we have bought into a new reality. And that new reality, as we practice it and actively engage in it, brings trust. And with trust, peace. With peace, joy. And I believe that that reality, for me, is this idea of resurrection. I just love how he said that. That it's, it's joy work is always like work, and it's actively a resistance of death, which is, is what resurrection is. As people of resurrection, we reject things of death. Last week, Rob, he shared this, this, this idea that just blew my mind. And, he, and it went something like, if anything that is contrary to justice has nothing, um, nothing eternal about it. And where I was, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that the things working against me that could cause the ground to give out, man, there's nothing eternal about that. And hearing that truth last week, it brought me back to a place of peace and a place of joy. And so I believe that I, I want to I invite, actually, Long Beach Christian Fellowship to try on this different idea of joy. That it's not something that we wait for, not something that we wait to be given, but it's actually a muscle that we can practice growing. And if that concept is, is kind of difficult to imagine, maybe the, the ability to notice the joy of the Lord requires strength and requires practice and requires engagement of, of, of patterns, And that's my encouragement today, is to engage in patterns of joy. And I think the more we do this, the more uh, we are able to notice, man, the peace that we have in the Lord. I love selling, and I want to tell you, man, you just, you believe, and everything's going to be all good. And this is not the kind of gospel that I want to always teach. Hey, guess what? If you believe, you're going to go, you know, you're going to have a lot of hard things happen. But guess what? You know, as you journey, you're going to experience this kind of deeper joy it doesn't necessarily look like laughter always, but it's like this peace internal. For me this week, it's been hard to see this. It's hard to engage with it. So in therapy, um, you know, I started my journey with therapy this time around. Every time you see a new therapist, they go, well, tell me about yourself, you know. And, and uh, I, you know, I started telling myself, and he says, well, like, let's go 1 to 10. Like, how... how um, how content are you with yourself? And I was like, oh, like eight. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty happy. Like, I'm okay, you know? And sure enough, we've gone through a journey just kind of, he's gone through a journey helping me see, man, I, I've got a lot of fear in my life that, I, that, that just, I just constantly struggle with. And there was a moment where I was like in tears just going, man, but the ground could go out. And, what, and, and, and there was a point where he said to me, he's like, Alvia, the truth is the ground hasn't given out in years. When you're a teenager, you you were in homeless, but like man, look at you you've started a career, you've you have a family, a beautiful daughter and things are going. But the world has taught me to just reorient myself myself around fear rather than what God is doing, his constant presence and what is good. And something significant happened when he recited that truth to me. But just take a second, Alvia, and look at your life. The ground hasn't given out. And for me, I needed to hear that truth. And I think this is is a pattern of joy, just reciting and repeating and reciting, um, repeating truth. And I believe that this is the lesson that we can learn from the Jews that sang this song as they approached um, Jerusalem for worship. They were walking... And singing these songs, and I'm sure them too, life had them all twisted around, focused on fear and anxiety and things that aren't going as they, as they should be. And as they approach worship at the temple, they would sing this song and reflect on what they have experienced and what God has done. Then they would reflect on the fact that God is present, and then they would claim and state what, what, is, what God is doing and will do. And so I asked you, how do you experience joy, and where are you in tension today? What are you waiting for? Um, I know several of you pretty closely in this room, and I, there's not a single friend of mine that isn't in a place of tension. And if I just have to call everybody out, I mean, we're all waiting for COVID to end, right? Um, whatever the means, whether it's a vaccine or whatever it is, um, we're, we're in tension, waiting. Uh, I'm personally waiting for whatever foothold, uh, the subject of racism or the acts, or acts of racism stands on to end. Like, you know, that's something based on my personal experience, and, and I'm still in waiting. But the things that I'm talking about are the daily, the daily things that we experience. And so um, I, want, I would like to share this a prayer practice called, um, if we can go to the next slide, it's just a quote, yeah. Um, and so I created this uh, statement here or a phrase, and it's just, what, like nine, ten words. Um, and it's, it's, it's partly from the first half of the psalm and, and partly from the second half of the song. And it's, the Lord has done amazing things for us. Restore our fortunes, Lord. The Lord has done amazing things for us. Restore our fortunes, Lord. And there's a, there's a spiritual practice called active prayer. And um, one thing about active prayer, it's not simply just like actively praying all the time. But I think it's a, it's a process of making a prayer an active part of your conscience and so it takes memorization right and it takes a pattern where we, we recite these a prayer whatever it is a phrase and then that becomes part of just our thinking and I think I think this is a practice that really for me I'm, I'm hoping I'm gonna practice it because I would love to strengthen my ability to notice the joy you know I want to look towards the Lord, not towards the fear that the ground's going to give out. And so I would like to invite you guys into practicing this prayer. And if you can uh, pull out your phones, this is a weird thing. I debated on whether or not I should invite you guys to pull out your phones during church. But pull out your phones and open up the Notepad app. And um, you can either copy this phrase down. And I actually want to invite you to make it personal. This week, the joyful part of my week was spent thinking about the things that God has done in my life and there's miracles that I've experienced radical things things that are like just blow my mind when I think about it you know and then I still have to remember that yeah I'm still in this place of longing so if you would make the first half of this your own Lord you've done this you've done some amazing things Lord you delivered in that you brought that paycheck right when I needed it Lord you healed me when I was sick and I had no way out Lord, you brought a child after eight years of waiting and and longing and prayer and tears. Lord, you brought waters. Whatever it is, make that your own. And then for the second half, restore our fortunes. And as I said, that word fortune for the Jews was not necessarily monetary fortune. But whatever, it, it it was deeper than that. It was freedom. And what is your fortune that you're desiring in life? Let's go deep, you know. What, what are we waiting for? What are you longing for? How are you in tension? And so whatever phrase that you've created, whether you've copied this down or you have um, created your own version, guys, it's all about just carrying it with you when you have moments, when it comes to mind, when you have just a little bit of space to recite it. Hopefully you'll memorize it and be able to recite it at any point in time. But there's a whole bunch of grace. If you don't make this a, um, a requirement where if you don't recite this for a whole week, that you would beat yourself up for it. It's just, it's just a tool to help us. And so whatever your phrase is, I invite you into making that an active, a living prayer that exists within your heart. Because this is, reality of, this is the reality of joy um, as... This is our reality of joy as followers of the living God. Uh, let's pray. Lord I, I, Lord, I come to you thankful for all the things you've done and, and also um, in a place just desiring more. And I pray that you would bring waters to the Negev All these areas of my life that there was once water flowing, Lord, would you refill? And I pray that same prayer over each one of us here. Lord, would you make us a people, a community that walks counter to, uh, that walks apart from the world standard of joy and lead us into your joy? If your joy is our strength, Lord, help us to be in tune with that. If there's patterns, that we can practice. Lord, would you anoint those patterns? As we engage with you and as we recite prayers and we join in with songs that we aren't necessarily feeling to be true, but we know to be true. Lord, I pray that you would do do a work, that journey between the head and the heart. Would you lead us, Lord? And thank you for this time of ascension, this time that we get to worship together and just get our hearts right to engage with you for the week, Lord. Amen.